Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDrivesChicago.com, Drive What Kane and Taves Drive. We have a stacked episode for you this week as we continue to dive into prospect talk with a Blackhawks prospect himself, defenseman Ethan Del Mastro, fresh off a gold medal for Team Canada at the World Junior Championships, joins us. You'll really like him. Be sure to stick around for that interview. We also have Joe Brand on the podcast this week. He joins us for an extended period of time, not just to talk about betting lines presented by FanDuel, but also for Sellies and Chirps as well. It's a fun conversation with Ethan and Joe, and it's all ahead on the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. I'm your host, Chris Vosters, joined by my two co-hosts, Kaylee Chelios, Colby Cohen. Uh, Before we get to business, everybody, just want to remind you once again that you can win an autographed Patrick Kane reverse retro jersey, courtesy of ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Just visit their website, ChevyDrivesChicago.com, to enter, and you can win an autographed Patrick Kane reverse retro jersey. The Reverse retro jerseys have gone bye-bye for this season. The Blackhawks wrapped up their schedule wearing the reverse retros. They they definitely grew on me, I would say, as the season went along. And hard not to like the reverse retro jerseys when Lucas Reichel has a three-point night for the Blackhawks in one of their biggest wins of the season. And, you know, it, it was great to see that performance from Lucas Reichel, Kaylee, and Colby. A couple of games after that, however, the Blackhawks make the decision to send him back to the Rockford Icehogs in the AHL. And it it was a move that, I don't know if it surprised many of the fans, but understandably, a few fans were disappointed. Hey, Lucas Reichel, three-point night, he can play in the NHL, right? Well, I think it's important to address the fact that just because the Blackhawks sent him back to the AHL doesn't mean that's a sign of, hey, he's not ready or... There's any kind of doubt that the Blackhawks think Lucas Reichel might not be able to hang at the NHL level. This is all part of general manager Kyle Davidson's plan and process that he outlined over the summer around the time of the draft, prospect camp, training camp. Look, the Rockford Icehogs are having a good season this year. There are meaningful minutes to be had for Lucas Reichel on a team that is winning, that is heading towards a playoff berth, he can't get those same kind of minutes at the NHL level yet. The AHL level, he can be a a top-line center, play 20 minutes a game. That's better for his development right now than being a third- or fourth-line winger where he's playing out of position and not seeing the ice as much. So it's understandable why fans might feel a little bit impatient with this process right now. That's totally okay, but um, you know, I, I think it's really all part of the plan. Again, that has been outlined since General Manager Kyle Davidson took this ship over a little under a year ago now. And I don't know, am I missing anything there as far as just the whole Lucas Reichel take? I mean, it, very encouraging that he looked as well as he did, as good as he did at the NHL level. But he'll be back, but let him continue to develop in an environment like the AHL. 
all about the plan and all about patience. I think Lucas showed some good things, but I think it's very important for him to play center in the American League, continue to grow his game. You'll win Stanley Cups when you're deep down the middle. And the ultimate goal, Kaylee, is to have him ready to contribute 18 minutes a night at the NHL level at the center position. It's a win-win for everyone. It was a win for management. Credit to Kyle Davidson and the staff, putting him in positions to be successful on home ice. You get the last change. You can put him in offensive zone face-offs if need be. But he showed coming up here he's a complete player right now, or he's coming on to be that complete player they want him to be. Bringing that 200-foot game down to him with Rockford is going to be really important. And you, know, you said it. Overmarinate. That's the that's the term that I've heard a lot of management talk about. You know, Steve Eiserman, I think, was one of the first to really use it, and that's what the development coaches and scouting staff will talk about. You know, get him up here, get him a taste of the NHL action, send him back down with some confidence, and let him marinate and really take his time as a young player um, reaching to where he wants to be. Well, we're joined by one of Lucas Reichel's fellow Blackhawks prospects on this week's episode of the podcast. Defenseman Ethan Del Mastro joins us, and we really enjoyed our conversation with Ethan. Great personality. He's been a, a leader at several different stages of his hockey career. He was uh, an alternate captain for the Mississauga Steelheads in the OHL. He wore a letter on his sweater for Team Canada at World Juniors. It was his second World Juniors championship, by the way, with Team Canada. So Ethan Del Mastro, another name that you've heard both Colby and Kaylee mention sporadically over the course of the season going back to prospect camp. Uh, he's a guy that is developing slowly but surely in, into uh, a player that Blackhawks believe will be a contributor at the NHL level, and he's having a great season in juniors in the Ontario Hockey League this year. So we talk about Ethan's career. We get to know him a little bit as an individual as well. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Blackhawks prospect, defenseman, Ethan Del Mastro. Ethan, a fourth-round draft pick by the Blackhawks in 2021, and he signed an entry-level contract with the team in April, a three-year deal. So he's going to be around a while. Ethan, before we get into some of what's been happening to you on the ice. First things first, happy birthday, my friend. January 15th, you turned the big 2-0, and in the midst of everything going on with your season right now, you were telling us that you're back home in Burlington and your parents are taking you out for dinner tonight. So where are you going? What, what's the hot spot in town when, when Ethan celebrates his birthday? Where do you like to go out for dinner with the folks? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's actually nothing too crazy. Um, just probably the, the keg or something like that. Um, usually we'll go maybe something a little crazier, but it was the kind of, I think I caught my parents a little off guard. I don't think they thought I was coming home after the road trip, but, uh, I said I'd make the trip out. So they, uh, I think they arranged something quick with a couple of my brothers. So, uh, we we're able to, to, you know, get some reservations at the keg and, and water down here. And, uh, so it should be a pretty exciting time. Have you opened any gifts yet? Anything on your on your birthday wish list, perhaps? <laughs> no, no, no gifts yet. Um, it was kind of hard. I was on the road yesterday for uh, for most of my birthday and kind of in the bus. So um, a lot of the guys obviously saying happy birthday. So that was nice. But um, just getting back to my parents now. So maybe they'll have something for me at dinner. Happy birthday, Ethan. Are you a chocolate or vanilla cake person? 
Uh, probably vanilla. Um, I don't know. I'm not too picky. I kind of go with either one. I mean, <laughs> uh, I've always been kind of a, my mom always got me ice cream cake back when I was uh, a little bit younger and a kid and I always enjoyed that. Well, I learned from your coffees with Charlie interview that you like the gummy candy, yeah. Canadian sour candies and, and harder candies. So good luck. I hope you get lots of that from mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, that's usually my go-to. So hopefully they can, uh, they can give some, give me some of that today. <laughs> Same here. Are, are like what kind of like gummy bears, sour gummy worms? I mean, what uh, what's your go to there? Yeah, I think I'm uh, kind of a little bit of of all of it. Uh, kind of Maynard's that kind of brand. Um, that's usually my go to. Any one of those are, are pretty classic, I think, and uh, a kind of a staple if I'm going to go candy. I can't wait to follow your progression and your development. I was just going to say. You hopefully at some point you could catch a couple of broadcasts because there's a little bit of candy gate going on right now in our broadcast booth between Chris and Troy Murray, who's one of our analysts in the booth. And there, there's definitely been some tense moments on the broadcast this year of Chris stealing Troy's candy when he's going to the bathroom. So you'll, you'll clearly fit right in here. <laughs> exactly. Don't let me, uh, yeah. Keep keep the rockets or the smarties away from me, Ethan, because uh, I I do I, I tend to snag them. So you've been warned. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Put that in the back of my my mind. <laughs> well, Ethan, I I think there's been so much exciting stuff going on for you as of late. You know, we've been talking a lot about you. I mean, not you know all the prospects really, but but you know coming off World Juniors, uh, you know again all this exciting stuff, getting traded. But I'd like to just go backwards a little bit with you and, and go to draft night because I think every player has, has a draft story and has a moment. Uh, some, are, some are good, some maybe not good. And, and, you know, I know it's an emotional time waiting to hear your name. Uh, sometimes you're almost just relieved when you finally get to hear it. And, and you might even, you know, you don't even get to quite enjoy it like you should. But um tell us about your draft experience you know you, you you know hearing your name an original six franchise obviously always special but you know I'll, I'll let you take it away and and tell us a little bit about how that went down yeah obviously a crazy experience um obviously I still was a little bit in the COVID period because uh you know obviously it was still going on and um it was an online virtual draft so um nothing was really going on too much crazy uh everyone was kind of looking at their laptops and, and computers more so than being in person but um, yeah, super exciting. You know, you're kind of waiting there, and then there's a lot of nerves kind of going on. And once you're kind of picked, I think it's just kind of a, a relief of the emotion. And then, you know, you have all your family around you. It's pretty special. And then as soon as you start hugging them, before you know it, you're getting a call from from the GM and stuff like that. So it was pretty exciting, but uh, overall an, an amazing experience. And then obviously to be picked by, by a team like Chicago, you know, you can be more happy. Our original six, obviously you're hearing amazing things from, from other people and stuff like that. So overall, just a great day. Now, were you able to go to development camp that year, or did was there no development camp because of COVID? Yeah, there was no development camp, so it was, it was kind of an online camp. So we met a couple of the you know staff members and a little more of the, the prospects and stuff, uh, just kind of virtually. And then uh, my first experience coming to Chicago was the rookie camp. So with, with rookie camp and then and then training camp after that, I mean that was all all basically a year in the making from the from the time you were drafted by the organization until you really started doing some of the the team on ice activities like that did you have a pinch me moment or or an oh my gosh moment when you saw your name on the back of the sweater or maybe a pass to Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane in the hallway or anything like that 
Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, when you go to that kind of team and you got, you know, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, and, and when I first came, uh, Flurry was still there and stuff like that. You have those kind of people that are, you know, icons in hockey. And um, it's just super kind of surreal uh, being around them in, in the locker room. And, you know, you're walking by and you see them. It's something that you, you only see them on TV. So um, pretty crazy. But, um, yeah, a little bit of a whirlwind coming to your first camp. Uh, you know, not having a development camp kind of maybe easy in a little bit with other kind of, of uh, draft picks and prospects, you know, you come in there and there's the top players and right in front of you uh, right from the start. So uh, it was a little bit to, of eye-opening and, and pretty uh, pretty crazy. But I think, you know, coming back my second time, you know, development camp and rookie camp, I was a little more comfortable. So it was awesome, though. Well, Ethan, you, you've done a lot of really exciting things from the World Junior Championships. But before that, you know, you just got traded recently from the Steel to Sarnia, but you spent most of your junior career, all of it, with the Steel before then. You were a captain there. What do you attribute to, you know, the leadership roles that you inhibited early on in your career? You were an alternate captain as well for Team Canada at the World Junior Championships. Where do you learn those good habits, and, and how have you experienced being in that leadership role at a young age uh, through now? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of kind of just how I am as a person, and obviously um, I think my parents kind of influence on me and, and how they kind of raised me and brought me up, um, just kind of what they instilled on me and, and, and the values. And then obviously I think just kind of me as a person, I think I've always kind of been a little bit of a leader and, and kind of maybe a, one of the bigger voices in the room, when, whether it's been junior or, you know, obviously in Mississauga and then a little bit at Hot Canada. So I think it's kind of something I've always had. And, um, you know, obviously my parents are a little bit uh, invested in, in it. And my mom's a principal and she kind of, you know, obviously maybe she's a little bit of yelling at kids. So she, she was good at and kind of was always been a leader in that kind of aspect. But uh, um, yeah, I think it's kind of always just something I've had and then obviously instilled in me from my parents. Was it hard to leave juniors uh, or with the steel? Just spending your whole career there, the relationships, the emotion. I mean, I know how, how much you grow into that. Yeah, like Home. you said, yeah, obviously it's um, where I was drafted, kind of where I've, I started my whole kind of junior career and where I was drafted to Chicago from. And, um, you know, obviously it's closer to home too, like you said, and it's tough kind of leaving there. It's like a little bit of a bittersweet feeling, um, obviously, because you're going to a team that's that's going to be a contender and that uh, obviously wants to make a run for it. But it's tough leaving, you know, where you built all these relationships and all these friendships and, and guys that kind of came into juniors with you. Um, you're kind of seeing them and, and leaving leaving them. So it's a little sad, but but obviously a lot of excitement kind of moving forward. Well, and I know it's it's not terribly uncommon for big-time players in, in the Canadian Hockey League, whether it's the O, the Dub, or the Q, to be traded. I mean, Shane Wright got traded after World Juniors. One of a couple of our prospects, you know, guys who will be your teammates one day, uh, Colton Dock was traded, uh, Korchinski and Nolan Allen, they, they ended up on the same team. When you see what another team trades for you in the OHL, I mean – Sarnia gave up half of their future <laughs> draft picks to get you. I mean, it was a haul of, of picks and prospects. Um, does that, you know, what does that, how does that make you feel? Like there's pressure to win the Memorial Cup, but it, it also says like, we really want this guy. And, and I think that's a major, you know, attribution to you. Yeah, yeah, I think for sure. I mean, you know, the management staff in Sarnia, we, we talked a little bit. And obviously, if they're willing to give up some of their, you know, your future and, and your young prospects, obviously, that means a lot. And, um, you know, to have the confidence in me that I'm going to make a, a big enough impact in that in that kind of organization to and they're willing to kind of give away their young prospects for me. It's it's obviously nice and a little bit of pressure, but I think you don't kind of look at that. You kind of look in, look at coming in and, and just playing your game and, and being your, how you are as a player. There's a reason they wanted you. So, 
um, kind of sticking to that and, and just keeping moving forward with my game and, and not changing too much. Well, and I don't think for a young Canadian hockey player, there's any bigger pressure moment than the World Juniors. Uh, I, I mean, we watched the World Juniors closely. We covered it here in Chicago. We showed stuff on our shows, whether in the broadcast, in the pregame show. We were excited. And, and look, you, you were in a leading role on that team, more more than any of the rest of our prospects, uh, wearing a letter, as Kaylee mentioned, you know, but but shouldering your entire country for that tournament. I mean, what is that like? Like try to explain to our listeners the pressure and and the responsibility and then the excitement of winning that tournament, especially I mean the way you guys won it. I, that tournament should be in Canada every year, but just try to like try to take a little bit of of a of a maybe 50,000 foot view to explain to our listeners just just how amazing that whole process can be yeah i mean like you said it's it's obviously an amazing experience and and obviously being canadian it's something you kind of grow up watching always at christmas time you know on the 26th to turn on the tv that world juniors are going to be going on so um yeah crazy experience and and having just that fan base behind us and in that building was, was unreal and obviously like you said a lot of pressure though you know canada's always watching no matter what and when we lost the first game, I think there's a little bit of heat on us and stuff like that. But um, I think Hockey Canada does a pretty good uh, job at kind of covering you and, and maybe kind of sticking together as a team more so than kind of letting the outside noise in. Um, I think we did a good job at kind of not not allowing it to kind of shape us or let it affect us. And um, obviously, I think having you know the summer one that I went to before um, where we won as well, a little bit of, of experience through that, I think that kind of helped me, you know, being able to, to handle the emotions and the pressure a, a little bit more. And, um, I think it was kind of just overall beneficial and moving towards this tournament and, and not letting the pressure kind of affect us too much. I wanted to ask Ethan, what was the loudest moment that you remember playing at, at World Juniors in, in the ring? When, when was the crowd the most hype? Uh, I think probably when we won. I mean, obviously, that's a little bit of a blur, and, and you know, the, the, the noise is a little crazy, and you can't even hear it. You're, you're kind of just screaming with your teammates. But it's either that or, or when Bedard got named kind of MVP, MVP of the tournament. Um, no matter what what game it was, they were screaming MVP, and you couldn't even hear the announce announcement for his name. Like he didn't even know if he got announced. He didn't know where he was supposed to skate. Like it was all just kind of hilarious <laughs> how, how loud they were. Um, you know, obviously that that rank was was unreal, and, and the fan base there was was so crazy. And you know, with the, with the goal song, I think being a maritime song, they kind of got excited, and um, just kind of having that clap kind of beat when we scored was was obviously nice to hear every time too. How are your legs doing, man? You were you were on the ice almost more than anybody else. I saw in, in at least one game you led the team in, in time on ice, and now you're you're right back into your OHL season. You, you legs feeling still alive and, and perky right now? Yeah, yeah. You had a, a little bit of a days off when we got back to to kind of rest and, and stuff like that. But I think kind of playing in the OHL helped me obviously with with playing a lot of minutes there. You know, come there and you're already playing a lot of minutes, so you're used to it, and your legs are are not too bad. So. Um, I think that kind of helped me out a little bit. And, and coming back was just kind of going back into the swing of things and playing a lot of minutes. If you're already doing it, it's not too bad. But I think kind of the atmosphere also helped you. You know, it's it's, it's pretty easy to get up for a game when you got your fans screaming in the, in the kind of background and, and just getting you kind of amped up. Ethan, you played with and against a lot of young, talented prospects and now NHLers when you looked at Shane Wright. Um, Bedard, though, what what is he like behind the scenes? And to experience that entire thing in Canada and see a player like that under so much pressure, especially live up to the expectation, what was he like behind the scenes? What was your interactions like with him? And, like, do you, build, do you, you know, take anything away from 
being able to perform under that much pressure the way that you all really did? Yeah, no, he, he's an amazing kid. And, and um, obviously, I think I've got to know him over the past couple tournaments, obviously playing new eight scenes with him. And then obviously coming to the summer one play with him there. And then, then obviously here, um, I think the friendship kind of grew a little bit. And he, he was one of my close friends there. And um, just a kid that, that really, really works hard. Um, you know, a com- humble kid that uh, there's a lot of pressure on kind of everyone in the hockey industry is talking about him. So um, to be able to have all that noise on you and still kind of come to the rink and just joke around and then be loose and not, not worry too much about it was awesome. I think that kind of rubbed off on a lot of us and not worry about the media so much and just kind of go out and play. So I think it kind of helped out with the whole team and, and kind of letting the media talk and just letting us go play. Well, there's obviously been, you know, a lot of noise around Bedard and Fantilli and, and look, the reality with the rebuild that the Blackhawks are going through is, is one of those two guys could, could very easily end up in a, in a, Blackhawks sweater along with Korchinski and, and Colton Dock. So at some point here in the next couple of years, you know, we could have a, quite a few players off that world junior team. And, and, you know, we had Mark Eaton on our podcast uh, last week, I believe it was. And, you know, we were talking to him about the development path for guys and, and, you know, his involvement and his role. And look, he was a defenseman in the NHL and, and uh, has a similar path to, to a lot of the, the young defenseman prospects. But, you know, let's, let's think about the development camp that you were at with Chicago this year. And then you move into this season you have a strong showing in training camp. You play some NHL exhibition games, games where we talked a lot about you. You know, Chris and I showed a lot of replays, uh, you know, your puck moving, your poise. I mean, we, we kind of, you know, carried the Ethan Del Mastro fan, you know, fan flag through training camp because you gave us a lot of good things to talk about. But, you know, where has the intersection between World Juniors, Mississauga, Sarnia, and the Chicago Blackhawks development team you know, where, where is that intersection point been? What have they helped you with or, or, you know, been there to see your game start to really kind of grow and take shape into, you know, being a guy who can play in the American League or play in the NHL here soon? Yeah, yeah. Like you said, obviously, a, a lot of prospects at the, the, the games as well, like you said. And, um, you know, I think it's kind of funny. We, we joke around with, with kind of Bedard and Fantilli and, and them with uh, all the Chicago prospects about them coming maybe uh, in the future. Um, so it's kind of good laughs there. But I think kind of looking at the staff point of view, um, you know, going to all these camps and, and being around kind of the, the Chicago staff and, and the players there, I think that's what kind of builds your your confidence and, and lets you kind of grow as a player. So I think for me, at least, uh, going there and trying to take in everything from, from the players and the staff and the information they're kind of giving it, um, just kind of take that all in and, and let myself kind of grow as a player. I think kind of being able to go back to junior every year and, and, and kind of gain the confidence to, to make plays and and learn as a player has helped me a lot, obviously, in Mississauga and now with Sarnia. And then being able to come to, the obviously, like these camps and then just grow there as well. And then have uh, the world junior experiences. You know, you're playing with the best players your age. So I think the competition there kind of raises your game and allows you to kind of develop as well. So I think kind of a combination of, of all this has kind of been a been a helpful for, for me as development. And obviously the staff, like you said, Mark, Mark Eaton. Um, Kind of their, his whole staff in the development side has, has been awesome. You know, no matter what you need, whether it's nutrition or health, they're always there to kind of help you. And um, that, that's obviously going to be beneficial in any player's development. So it's been great. Were you uh, growing up in Ontario? Were you a Maple Leafs fan growing up? Did you have any players in particular that uh, maybe maybe still you love to watch in particular? 
Yeah, yeah, I was obviously. I think I'm a Maple Leafs fan, as a lot of us are, in, in here in Ontario, and kind of closer to Toronto. Have a choice, right? Yeah, yeah kind of pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, since I was born, I remember that, uh, being on the TV from my dad or my brothers or whatever. So, um, kind of always had to watch them. So it kind of became my my childhood favorite team. And, and but obviously, I think you watch a lot of players growing up. Like Morgan Riley came in when I was a little bit younger, and he was obviously an amazing player on on the Leafs. And then I think as I kind of got older, I think uh, a lot more NHL teams and OHL teams are asking you. Uh, what your player comparison is, who's a player you monitor the game after. It's kind of a, a cliche uh, question, but obviously important. And then I was looking at my game at, at the point, and I think it was kind of uh, looking at someone who's kind of tough and, and me and can also play with the puck and, and play a lot of minutes, and that was uh, Ben Schrott. Um, so he, he was a guy I kind of looked uh, as I was getting a little bit closer to kind of OHL and then middle of OHL kind of talking to NHL teams as a player. I kind of told them that I thought I'd model my game after a little bit and took, took stuff. But I think kind of watching hockey, it's always about – looking at kind of all the players and looking at the things they do and trying to learn from them and, and learn, uh, you know, what they do best and maybe trying to incorporate that into your game. And it's always about taking little pieces and not just obviously focusing on one guy. You're obviously not that player. You're a different different player, your own, your own player. So I think kind of taking things away from, from uh, certain uh, players you watch and just taking those little pieces and incorporating them. Ethan, it might be hard to say this now, just being so early in your career, but I always enjoy interviewing players when they have those little notes about something a coach said to them in juniors or how they worked on their game with them and, you know, something clicked or it changed their game. I know you you worked with Alan Latang as one of the coaches for Team Canada. He's now the head coach at the Sarnia Sting. Is he somebody that had a, a big impact potentially on you, or were there any coaches in juniors um, that you felt really helped you along with your game, and what did they what did they do for you? Yeah, no, for sure. I think um, obviously uh, having Tanger at the World Juniors is helpful. Um, he's obviously only been kind of uh, my coach for a little bit here now in Sarnia, but um, looking back, obviously, all the Mississauga coaches um, have, have been a you know, huge part in kind of my development and helped me out. Obviously, the D coach, Brendan Taylor, that I kind of started my, uh, my you know, my D career in the junior w- with him. And he was always, you know, helping me out, always had the confidence in me and, and kind of was easy to talk to about that kind of stuff. And then looking back to um, kind of my jun- or before for junior, my uh, minor hockey, um, I was lucky enough to be coached by Paul Coffey, who was, you know, a pretty good defenseman in the NHL. So um, kind of yeah. having him around and, and being able to kind of, you know, bounce stuff off him. And <laughs> I think I kind of took it for granted how, how cool that was. Obviously, I was a lot younger. So, um, but kind of go to the rink. And then obviously, I think my dad was a little more, uh, a little bit more of a fanboy than I was, obviously, because he was <laughs> able to, to watch him a little bit more when he, when he was growing up, my dad. And, and obviously, he was kind of a little bit before my time. But obviously, you still know how amazing he kind of was in the career he had. So kind of letting him, him talk to me about certain things and, and kind of allowing him to teach me was, was super special, too. Your former teammate Charlie should have had coffee with coffee with you guys. You got a text. Yeah, him. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> probably hard to get him on though. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ethan, it's obvious that you're a busy guy with you know all these things swirling around in your life. But you know the Blackhawks are at a pretty exciting time for a young guy. You know you're you know being a prospect, your eyes gotta light up when you hear the word rebuild. Um, you know, when, when you're seeing this emphasis on development and prospects. So I'm just wondering how, how much are you watching the Blackhawks and, and how close are you paying attention to it? And, and are you keeping in touch with Isaac Phillips or Alex Vlasic? You know, you're part of this group that 
is really supposed to be front and center of the future, right? And you're, you know, you're sort of in the middle, right? Of of your you're 20 years old. There's a couple guys. Phil, Phillips is 21. Vlasic is like 21 or 22. But then there's some younger guys too, like Colton Doc, and I mean, sorry, like Korchinski, and and you know, uh, so you're you're a little bit of a mentor to one. Maybe you're looking up to the other, and 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 I'm wondering. You know what? What your attention to detail of of what's happening with the Blackhawks is at right now, and and you know how you feel about it all. Yeah, I think obviously you pay attention, you watch a little bit. You're pretty close to kind of um, coming up. Obviously, I think next year, obviously moving forward, so obviously you're going to pay attention a little bit. Um, and then obviously with that that group you, you talked about, they're obviously a a close group. I think um, more close than people would expect. Um, obviously, like Kevin Korczynski and, and Nolan Allen and Colton Doc, those are all kind of my good buddies and, and, and players that I was obviously at World Juniors with, and I think the friendship kind of grew. Um, but they're obviously amazing guys. And then looking at the future for, for obviously their offensive group, like Isaac Phillips and Alex Vlasic and all those kind of young pros- prospects, guys that are kind of playing a little bit. And um, I think it's just kind of excitement for all of us, knowing that it's going to be a obviously a young team and a little bit of a rebuild coming forward. Um, I think the management's just super excited in the way they kind of talk to us and, and getting ready to kind of, you know, adapt and, and move towards that kind of NHL um, kind of lifestyle and hopefully, um, you know, get there sooner than you think. And um, it's just all a little bit of excitement, I think, for, for all of us. Again, just traded in the OHL from Mississauga to Sarnia. Are, are you settled in Sarnia? You got, you got the billet family situation settled down, and, and uh, I know you've only been there less than a handful of games, but uh, what, what's your early take on Sarnia? A little bit of a smaller town from Mississauga, is it not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, obviously a little bit of a, of a smaller town, but was able to kind of move in at the start of the week and meet the billets and, and kind of had a couple buddies on the team that made it easy to kind of move in and, and get adapted to that lifestyle and, and the town and um, some of the other guys on the team. Um, obviously a little bit smaller than Mississauga, like you said. Uh, Mississauga, you kind of walk around, not, not too many people know you, but but here you might get recognized a couple times out in the streets and stuff like that. So, so it's good and it's been an amazing start. Obviously, I uh, haven't been there too long. We went on the road right away kind of going up to Ottawa and Kingston and stuff like that. So I haven't been home too much, but but it should be fun moving forward. And it's cool to have a, a, a town that is that invested where they they are already starting to recognize you a little bit um, on, the, on the streets. But are, are you working just on your hockey career right now? I mean, are you still taking classes for, for school or anything like that? Uh, no, no, no classes right now. Um, just kind of focusing on hockey. And, and I mean, it's kind of been a lot this year with, with obviously World Juniors and everything like that. So it's kind of easier to, I think, uh, just kind of focus on hockey and not let anything kind of cloud you a little bit too much and, and make you, uh, you know, nervous or focus on something besides hockey. I had to ask just because your mom's a principal. So I, I didn't know if there was, you know, if, if you there's any kind of deal that went on there. Yeah. I mean, she obviously leans a little bit more towards doing school. Um, I think obviously high school was obviously really important for her and, and, and me obviously as well, but she was always harping on me and making sure I was getting her grades and doing my homework. So overall though, it was beneficial, I think for me and kind of built that, you know, a little bit of hard work and, and learning to get school done and how important it is. 30 minutes of reading every night before bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She was on me. <laughs> Did you go to the same school that your mom is the principal of? Uh, no, luckily I was uh, like, she kind of became a principal later in her time. Um, she was kind of just a teacher before and, and at different schools. But uh, uh, luckily she was a principal of kind of a um, the elementary school. So younger, like K-8, kindergarten to grade eight. So wasn't really anything uh, to involve with me. Uh, I think a couple of my friends in my high school had her as 
a teacher when they were younger, so they, they thought it was pretty funny, though. <laughs> Pressure's on. From what I understand, you are a very good student, though, as well, Ethan. Is that true? Uh, yeah, I think not bad. I think uh, having my mom <laughs> kind of help me a little bit was, was obviously beneficial, but uh, yeah, I, I paid attention in class. <laughs> Um, Ethan, how would you assess uh, your your play right now coming off another World Junior Championship? You're going to be going into the Mem Cup pretty soon. I mean, what do you take away now as far as your compete level, where your mindset's on? You know, you just talked about conversations you've had with the development coaches, but where are you at right now and where you want your game to be and, you know, how much closer you are to to reaching your goals? Yeah, I think obviously pretty happy with, with where my game is right now. Um, obviously just coming off, you know, winning the World Juniors and, and here in the OHL, but obviously there's room to improve. Um, obviously I'm not there yet uh, and there's still a lot of ways to go. So I think it's all about kind of just, you know, continuing to get better and continue to learn. Obviously look for, for new new uh, learning learning experiences throughout all the coaching staff and, and the development uh, team and kind of just taking uh, all they're saying and, and kind of letting it letting it uh, mold my game and, and continue to grow and, and hopefully get to that uh, that pro level. Well, are you are you hoping to potentially at the end of your season with the OHL? I mean, look, you, the way it's going for you, you're, you're probably going to be lifting more hardware here in the future. Um, but is there some eyes and some sight on potentially, you know, maybe being a part of a playoff run in Rockford or, or potentially getting some pro games in at the end of the season? Yeah, obviously, you hope for, for anything like that. Obviously, uh, like you said, the, the hopefully we make a long run here and uh, go to the Mem Cup. So if that happens, I don't know if it'll be uh, able, if we'll be we'll be able to because the season's kind of going a little longer, and um, I don't know if it'll work out schedule wise. But obviously, it'd be exciting to get out to Rockford or anything like that. Well, Ethan, thanks so much for doing this. You've been you've been a great sport, and uh, again, celebrating your birthday. With your parents, you got a reservation at the keg. We know we got to let you get to. Uh, you know, you're in season, though. So, I mean, are you just going to keep it with a salad tonight? Or you gonna... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> This guy probably burns 10,000 calories a day. He, he can afford it. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably skate it off tomorrow in practice. So, maybe I'll be able to get the Billy Miner pie tonight. So <laughs> Okay. All the right. what pie? It's, I think it's like their, their classic the pie, the Billy Miner. Yeah, it's like oh, the Billy cool. Miner. Okay, it's called. Yeah. it. That's, that's usually there. I think I think if you say it's your birthday, that's what they automatically give to you. So Gosh, be able to get one of those. Good to know. Yeah. Well, thanks happy again birthday, for doing even. this. Yeah. Happy Thank happy you. birthday, and uh, tell your parents thanks for letting you do this as well. And we will uh, catch bit catch up, touch base at some point down the road. Thanks again. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Thank you. All right, it is time for Line Changes, where we provide betting advice powered by FanDuel. And for that, we bring in our buddy Joe Brand. Joe Brand of WGN Radio, our pregame and postgame show host for the Blackhawks Radio Network. And uh, also uh, a betting guru as well, at least as far as the Blackhawks Insider Podcast is concerned. Joe, great to have you back. Hard to believe we're into the second half of the season. What kind of odds, numbers... Over-unders are catching your attention at this point. Well, first off, Chris, thank you for the guru accolade. And, yes, I think the Blackhawks podcast might be the only one dubbing me that. Uh, I'll actually go off of one of your tweets, one of your recent tweets, talking about the Blackhawks scoring depth. What, 11, 10 different guys uh, scoring for the Hawks for the last 10 or 11 goals. So different goal goal scorers each of those times. I mean, the, the depth has been what has been huge for this Blackhawks short little winning surge. So, 
that's actually been profitable for me for the past two games. I liked what I saw from Max Domi, yes, with Lucas Reichel, but just overall offensively in general. So he actually hit me a payout against Seattle on Saturday for a payout of plus 390. And then even before that, went a little bit higher, a little bit Ooh. riskier with Sam Lafferty, plus 590. Again, just kind of liked what he was doing offensively. And th- that's probably the funnest thing you can do if you go to the game and throw down some money. If, if you've got an idea of one guy scoring a goal and again with multiple guys pitching in for the Hawks right now nobody's really that bad of an idea for a bet Uh, I like sticking with the overs still Um, you can pretty much do that all year long for the most part you're going to hit the majority Uh, the Blackhawks have been scoring a lot lately so that also just entices the other team to score and you get these competitive games you just get higher scoring games as of late Uh, Clearly, that happened on Saturday against Seattle. And uh, with the Hawks doing this well, why not go ahead and try to get them to uh, to cover? They're normally getting a goal and a half from FanDuel. Uh, They got Buffalo coming up. They've got Philly coming up. They've got St. Louis coming up. All teams that they have played well in the past or can fare well against them. So those three options, depth scoring over and the Hawks covering, I didn't think would be too bad to go for for this next entire week. Well, great insight, Joe. You said it, nine goals from nine different Hawks in that three-game win streak. We recently just saw last year's Norris Trophy winner, Kale McCarr, when Colorado came to town. Who should fans be excited for right now in the Norris conversation? Which defenseman? What are you thinking? Well, so this is another one of those bets, Kaylee, where you don't have to bet it and just win outright. You can kind of look at how the uh, system is going as the season goes along. Cal McCarr is still the favorite. He started out this year as plus 155. He's actually gone down a little bit to plus 250, but he is still the favorite. And uh, actually had a great conversation with Troy Murray the other day about defensemen and you know how much more value is put in on offensively. Uh, motivated defensemen. So guys like Adam Fox, Eric Carlson are starting to pick up a lot more uh, value in the betting system of the James Norris Trophy. Adam Fox right now, plus 400. Eric Carlson, plus 450. So those might be some of your better value options to go with um, because they're a better payout as of right now. If they keep scoring, that's only going to profit you. Again, you can cash out. You can make a little bit of a profit. You don't have to just hit it head on by winning the bet outright. I feel like we should have a best offensive and defensive defenseman award, Joe. I I just think based on the conversation you had with Troy, I I think maybe the Paul Coffey award and then pick a defensive defense. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. But my question for you, Joe, Pat Boyle asked me if I thought Seattle was the real deal. They obviously came into Chicago. They laid down a little bit of a beating on our guys. Who's the favorite to win the cup? I mean, if if I'm looking to, 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 make some money on on June where am I going well right now it's Boston they're at plus 600 uh that is not where they were at the beginning of the year they've obviously uh, gotten off to a great start they've continued with that they've been very consistent Uh, they were just plus 1,000 to win only the division at the beginning of the year so they're clearly surprising a lot of people especially the odds makers in Vegas Colorado's still up there I mean they're the second favorite in terms of FanDuel's rankings at plus 450 clearly Injuries have been a huge uh, problem for them this year, but now starting to get some of those guys back. I I think they're starting to get a little bit more confident with Colorado. Carolina's a pretty good bet as well, plus 750. They're the third favorite at the moment. Um, But, you know, it's it's the same question we've had for Carolina over the years. Can they sustain a long playoff run? Do they have enough playmakers to get the job done uh, to get the Stanley Cup as obviously they've fallen short just a couple of years. But uh, the Seattle situation... 
if you want to go and go ahead and throw down some money on them right now, by all means, do it. At the beginning of the year, they were at plus 15,000 to win the Stanley Cup. They've gone all the way to plus 3,500. So if you took them at the beginning of the year, you've got a hefty payout for a profit as of right now. And again, that's that's what it's all about. You don't have to just win outright. You can watch as the season goes along, cash out if you have the opportunity to. If if you do Seattle now, you're buying you're buying high, right? They're on an eight game winning streak. They're they're doing a lot of things on the road. So, okay, go ahead and maybe they continue on this winning streak and you cash out a little bit later just for some quick cash on uh, just a, a nice little quick bet. But uh, if you want to go with Seattle, go go right ahead. But uh, looks like your former Boston Bruins, Colby, are the ones who are the favorite as of right now. Well, never a dull moment, and Joe, thanks very much for coming on for Line Changes, and great job filling in on Blackhawks Radio play-by-play for John Weideman. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, no, very, very cool. Thank you. Please hold all the applause. Uh, we, I think we, 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 have, we have to clap all around. I mean, <laughs> you're the ultimate team guy. You're always pinch-hitting for everybody. We worked together a lot last year. You work with Kaylee every night. I mean – couldn't have been more excited to see you and hear you on the call the other night. I, I just had to get that out there. Well, thank you very much. Very, very cool. Uh, you know, grew up a, a diehard Hawks fan, so uh, getting to do that was definitely a cool full circle and uh, dream come true moment. Uh, happy to do it. Happy to pitch in. You know, think the world of John Weideman, so it was very cool to fill in for him as he rehabbed his voice, and now he's back, so that's great too. Um, but yeah, just uh, just happy to do it, and uh, appreciate all the all the confidence and uh, and compliments. And Chris, I can't remember the last time we both called the same game. Probably back in uh, 2017 or something in Kane County or Midland, Michigan. One of the two. Yeah, from from minor league baseball to the NHL. That's quite a but quite a quite a journey. Chris, Joe has it in his contract that he only will work with people with the last name Chelios, though, because, you know, his, his, two, his two games, he said, no, nope, I'm only doing it if I get a Chelios both nights. So we, we, we made sure of it for him. That's, that's, not, that's good negotiating. I, I told I told, honored. we were very honored Joe you crushed it <laughs> uh, thank you I, I told Kaylee if her mom if her mom's not doing anything the next game I fill in uh, we might as well just go ahead and do them all <laughs> oh just my goodness run, I don't run know it back can handle that <laughs> well Joe Love obviously it, Joe. you did a great job well, and listen, Joe, we're, we're not we're not bringing you on the show just to compliment you the whole time of oh course. man really I, I thought I could go no. now we're going to keep you on for our next segment, which is called Sellies or Chirps, where each of us bring a discussion topic to the table, and we, we get vulnerable in this segment of the show, all right? We present an idea or a topic and, and ask our colleagues to either celebrate it or chirp it, and uh, I... I uh, uh, Colby, what, what, what you wanted to go first, right? I, uh, why, you know, why is Joe, that? <laughs> normally I go third in Sellies and Chirps, but today was a special day for me. And I'm going to tell you why, because our friend Joe Brand was coming on the podcast and I saw something on Instagram Uh-oh. at Joe Brand underscore WGN. So give Joe a follow on Instagram. But, you know, I, I appreciate the hard work that went into this video, but the end result did not sit right with me. So if you have an opportunity, go to Joe Brand's Instagram, watch his latest reel where he cooks a pizza. And look, very thorough guy. He's got the pizza stone. He heats it up. He, he's explaining it all to us. And, you know, numerous times throughout this video, he mentioned that he likes the crust crispy, which, hey, 
I'm all for it. I'm from the East Coast. I like thin crust. I like a little crunchiness. But when I saw the final product, Joe, and what you deem to be a good pizza, I, I, I was a little taking it back. And, and the reason for it is you really burnt this pizza. Oh. And, 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 you, and you were really happy how it looked. I saw this pizza and went, he's going to have to make another one. But you, you were happy. You said, this is what I like. This is what I want. So I'm going to have to kick it around the horn a little bit here. I mean, we cannot possibly celebrate a pizza that looks like a hockey puck because it's so burnt. <laughs> I'm so yeah, glad Joe, I get I mean, last I, word here, by the way. I'm so glad. We'll, I get give, we'll, give, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a last word. But again, just to, to echo Colby's thoughts, I mean, I, I was, I'm watching this video and I'm just waiting I see the pizza come out of the oven and I'm waiting to hear you say, oh, shoot, I burned it. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, this is how I like it. Nice and crispy. <laughs> and so, I mean, I don't know, man. I got I got to chirp you on how you like your pizza because burnt pizza. I mean, uh, I don't know. Kaylee, what, is there any any saving grace for this guy? Heck yeah, I'm celebrating it, Joe. You're my roll dog oh, in go, the radio Kaylee. booth. Let's go, Joe. You and me. Uh, I'll celebrate. It wasn't totally burnt, but Co uh, Colby is super intense with his bagels and his pizza, so I'm not surprised at all that he's chirping it. Chris, I didn't know which way he was going to go coming from Wisconsin, and they love cheese. So not I'm going <laughs> to. Not burnt cheese, but I liked it. It was definitely tender, overbaked, but I'm not going to go as far to say you were eating charred pizza i don't think it was that bad but i'll ce celebrate you all day joe in the radio booth at home making burnt pizzas in the kitchen it all tastes the same i guess <laughs> well i shouldn't be too surprised that the greek person on this show who enjoys <laughs> saginaki. saginaki would also like well done cheese it's not burnt cheese it's well done and well that's and, well and like i said joe. like i said in the video it's science it, it caramelizes oh. the cheese it makes it tastier. And the other thing is it keeps the whole piece of pizza all in one in one piece. It, this isn't the cartoons where the cheese is coming off your teeth and, and off your mouth. This is this is a good, well done pizza. <laughs> all right. Well, you uh, we you know, you did a good job explaining your your point of view. I mean, now, like, what about what about the next day? You know, is that is that good? Does that make for good cold pizza too? It it does. Um, I'm a big fan of the air fryer, and the air fryer is the perfect way to reheat old pizza. Uh, I will go to the grave with that. But I will also, when I'm at like Rosati's, if I just want one slice of pizza, I will bring it home and I will throw it in the air fryer until it caramelizes like that on the top to just get a little. And then it's it's even hotter. It's fresher. I don't know, Chris. I mean, what's better, that or or pizza from Subway? I, I don't know which one. <laughs> be well, I tell you what, I get the meat. I love the meatball sub at Subway. Oh but no, they don't burn the mozzarella. This, I mean, this uh. whole this whole podcast is. You said the word Subway and forget it. It's going off the rails, Joe. We're 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 taking a trip to New York this summer, you and me, buddy, and we're gonna we're gonna just do a a pizza tour around New York City, okay? I'm I'm gonna teach you how to eat pizza, and you know I you could teach me how to do radio, okay? Uh, okay, I guess we'll call that an even trade. So, all right, we all have our blind spots. All right, what can I say? Uh, Joe, what's your Instagram handle so people can visit and watch that video and may, and be the judge for themselves? Oh, this has put me on the spot. Uh, it's actually Joe Brand underscore WGN. So yeah, you can okay. you can find it there. All right. Well, 
Thank you. You're, you're a great sport. We'll keep you on, and, and we can go around the horn, and, and don't worry. You know, you, can, you, you yeah. did a great job. Am I still getting grilled on out. each topic, or is it just that one? No, now you get to you get to give us your Sally and Chirp okay. now, and then we get to decide how worthy it is. Okay. <laughs> I don't worry, Joe. If you want to think about it a little bit, I'm I'm ready to go. If if you guys want to, I think I'm going to get three three Sellies on on mine, so I'm not uh, I'm not too worried or anything. All right, like tee that. it up, Chris. Let's go. Okay. Let us have it. Well, my, so my Sally or Chirp are fan chains. Now, is anybody wondering what a fan chain is? Yes. Yes. Okay, well, for, I'm glad you asked because I've got one here that I can show you. This oh, no. is a fan chain. Oh. These are the rate. <laughs> oh, that was a, what Kaylee said, yes. I know Kaylee's answer. All right, well, these are the rage in the Blackhawks team store right now. I think that you can, you know, from a lineage perspective you can trace these back to the university of miami turnover chain for the hurricanes football team college football again but they have been adapted into these awesome fan chains and i'm going to wear one of these on the broadcast i think it would go great with a turtleneck colby don't you think this would uh, this would go great with a turtleneck and a little bit of a fan chain bling i don't know Here, tell, tell me what what do you guys think here this is a this is a big this is a big selly for me, guys. You got to start doing your neck curls right now to get that thing exactly. on. How much does good. that weigh, Chris? Good for the good for the traps. <laughs> got to get those shoulders going. I, I yes. think you know what, Chris. I I, I think I'm going to celebrate this one with you, and, and and here's my reasoning why. First off, if you're going to wear it on the broadcast, I I respect it, and I I <laughs> give you a lot of credit for being willing to wear things like that on television in front of people. So, so you get it, you get a, to me, you get a check mark right there. And then, you know, the fact that the fans are loving it and people are buying it and people are walking around in the United center with it. I don't have to get it. As long as people like it, then let's celebrate it. I mean, there, there you go. I, I I'm feeling, I'm feeling generous with my celebrations and Chris, all you got to say is the word turtleneck to me and, you know, my antennas go straight up. So, you know, we'll just have to reconvene about this later for the next broadcast that we do together. Kaylee, I think that was, those, those were your kids saying they, lo- they want a fan chain. <laughs> I'm trying to mute, but it's just not going to happen. So let the chips fall where they may. They're going rogue upstairs. Dad's on duty. So... It is what it is. Um, so my honest opinion, I I like it if you're a fan, but I'm going to chirp it. It's an outfit killer for me. I put a lot of thought into my fits, my jewelry, and that just KOs my entire look for the night. So listen, I'm not going to sell it. You can get this with a gold chain. It doesn't have to be red. I think gold would, would keep you. I'm more of a gold girl, red. but that's just not my chain. But I like it for you, just like I like the afro. You've been <laughs> ambitious this year, Chris, but it's totally that's, for you. That's how you know when they say, yeah, I like it for you. That's, that's, <laughs> no, but that's, how a, that's how a female tells you they hate something. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it looks great on you. What, you get a, a free bowl of soup with that chain, too? No. Um, I, I can't believe I have to be the, uh, the, the deal breaker here. Yeah, no, because I, 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 was, I was leaning towards Kaylee and her opinion on this, but I guess – at the end of the day, as you said, Chris, it's a fan chain. So if it benefits the fan in a positive way and it 
just gives the fan joy, then I guess I can celebrate the fan chain. Um, man, you are you're like breaking records for uh, unique <laughs> apparel on television broadcasts. Just just this last week alone, it doesn't even have to be all year yeah. long, Chris. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I've got a few more tricks up my sleeve as well. So, I mean, if you think this is out there, just wait. I've got a, got a few more surprises that uh, I'm trying to break you guys in softly here, you know, with something that's, you know, more stylistic as opposed to something that's so outlandish like a wig or, um, you know, a couple of other surprises related to headgear, I think, that I might be able to show you guys later on. But yeah, something subtle Fan like chain. the chain you're wearing. Very yes. subtle. I mean, I'm a trendsetter, you guys, and this is blowing up right now. So when you see it around <laughs> the United Center, you'll think back to this conversation. So, Chris, I think you're the guy that when the kids see, they go, oh, wait, he's wearing it now. I guess we need to move on to the next Take thing. Take it back. Yeah, Take like we're, we're, what's the next thing we can get to? <laughs> you do you, Chris. Thank you. Love you guys. <laughs> All right, Cece, what do you got for us? Okay, I'm, I'm going to go with um, athletes, or I guess, you know, I recently saw Ben Affleck, Batman, J-Lo's Boo, Daredevil, Benifer. serving out, what's that? Benifer. Ben Affleck. Oh, ben, there we go. Yeah, you, are, yeah. you are on the trends, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw Ben Affleck handing out Dunkin' Coffee to to customers at the drive-thru window. I'm such a big fan of this. I do love Ben Affleck, but I think Athletes Undercover are some of my favorite videos. Um, Kevin Bieksa did an amazing one where he dressed up as a security guard at the arena and totally got Gets Laugh and a lot of his teammates. Super funny if you haven't seen it yet. So my celly is just athletes um, going undercover. And is there one that, you know, might super excite you do you think you would you would get it what would your response be if you saw for example rogers serving dunkin donuts well i mean i would uh <laughs> you'd recognize them. <laughs> i yeah i would recognize them being a being a green bay packers fan sure that would be a that would be pretty cool i i uh thinking about hockey um i know that austin matthews did something like this where he actually disguised himself going through the drive-thru at a Tim Hortons, of course, because it's Toronto. And his, he knew that his, some of his teammates were working at Tim Hortons, working the drive-thru window for a, for a Maple Leafs promotional event. So he got dressed up and tried to fool them. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I'm celebrating this. I, I think it's great, uh, like kind of celebrity-related pranks and good humor like this. If I were going through like a, a like a drive through line or something like that and i heard you know the order taker ask me what i wanted for my order I, I don't think i would ever get oh is that like i would ever think like is that ben affleck is that patrick kane i mean i don't think because the audio is always kind of garbled it sounds like you're talking on a phone so i think i would be completely off guard by something like that but what if he I used his batman idea. voice here's your coffee <laughs> whoa <laughs> Um, well, okay then, Kaylee. No, I've I, had three I, cups today. <laughs> that counting? is definitely not getting edited out. We are, we are leading with that. Trevor, also, help me that, out here. That's more Christian Bale. That was more of a Christian Bale <laughs> Batman voice than Ben Affleck. All right, we're getting a little picky now. There's my answer for who uh, I think sets the standard when it comes to Batman. It's not 
Sorry, Kaylee. It's, I don't think it's, <laughs> it's not Ben. Well, I, I'm totally celebrating it, Kaylee. I, I think it's a cool thing. Um, the best one I've ever seen wasn't necessarily a drive-through, but Nick Benino dressed up like a mm. uh, one of the fans that waits outside the team bus um, <laughs> for autographs. And Nick Benino dressed up as, you know, a seeker and had a book of cards. Uh, in Nashville and got all of the guys to, and was like, can you sign? Can you sign? And most of the guys were not in on the joke. His wife was also <laughs> dressed up in the same way. Go look up this video online. It's hysterical. You know, Benino was one of my teammates and, and one of my favorite, you know, it, it's such a funny guy, but he, he did something like this and messed with other players, fans. Nobody had any idea. The costume was so good. Uh, they filmed it. Some guys breezed them. Some guys signed. So I love anything like that, Kaylee. I, I, I'm going to celebrate it, JB. I don't. I don't know where you fall on the spectrum, but you know, I'm I'm all in for these types of things. I, I definitely celebrate it because it's something out of the ordinary. It it, it humanizes the players and it, it makes them you know break out of their shell a little bit and have a little fun with it. I would always be so embarrassed and so nervous to be one of those people that didn't recognize Ben Affleck <laughs> handing me coffee or Aaron Rodgers handing me coffee. Um, would never <laughs> want to be that that person and be exposed that way. Uh, Colby, what you were just talking about reminded me of the episode of Punked where Ashton Kutcher uh, has a little kid bring like all this Dirk Nowitzki memorabilia as Dirk is sitting down at dinner and he just keeps coming back and back with a basketball with a flyer he comes in with a cardboard cutout of Dirk Nowitzki and like he's like I, I can't do this anymore and he like makes the little kid cry it's it's one of my favorite episodes uh so yeah I, I definitely celebrate it but but you got to watch out how people react unfortunately because uh that's how it is for for my celly or chirp um I'll just Go ahead and go with, man, I lost it now for a second. Um, <laughs> well, we're putting you on the spot here, Joe. Yeah, so. no, I, and I, believe me, I've listened to Selly and Chirps before. I heard, I heard the quiz of the bowl games. I, I obviously heard the great Subway debacle. Um, the <laughs> debacle it was. That was a low no. moment for Chris. Debacle. A debacle, a debate. That was a low moment for all of us, not just Chris. That was hard to... So, uh, <laughs> yes, it that, was. That's, that's why it was such a low moment, because you still think it's a good thing, and Kaylee and I he are ready to crawl out of our skin. the seafood supreme surprise at Subway oh, up and running. Oh, <laughs> just seafood just, spread surprise. You know in a week or two we're going to see Chris Vosters being Subway's new spokesman, and he's like, hi, I'm Chris Vosters. Before each Blackhawks game, I like to take down a seafood surprise. <laughs> seafood surprise. I've been sitting next to the phone for the last two weeks. Still hasn't, still hasn't rung yet. To, to stay on the coffee topic, um, I'll just ask this. Can we, can we still get satisfied from a cup of coffee, whatever your poison is, if it's hot coffee, it's a, if it's iced coffee, if it's cold brew, um, can you still be satisfied with it from home, or does it need to be fresh from a shop like Dunkin', like Starbucks, like some mom-and-pop place? Or, or can you be satisfied from something from home? I'm going to, I'm going to celebrate this. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go first. And listen, if, if, if you're not too familiar with Keurig lines, I'm not just talking about we all know what a Keurig is, but the K-Slim, it's like a slender Keurig, you know, great it's very efficient when it comes to its countertop space. It makes a good cup of coffee, I'm telling you. And I have had Keurig machines. Listen, I've been in a lot of hotels. Uh, 
with Keurig machines that just produce very, very average at best coffee. But the K-Slim is really, really good. And I suggest, you might not think of this, but use filtered water. Uh, because the water quality actually does make a pretty noticeable difference too, I think, when it comes to the cup of coffee that you can brew for yourself at home. So check out the K-Slim. I have to shout out my fiance Liz. She got it, and it completely changed the way that I think about coffee made at home. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to celebrate this. Yes, it can be done. Colby, what are your thoughts? You don't drink coffee. <laughs> I'm, well, sometimes, I, very rarely. But what I would say about this, Joe, is is for some reason, I like diner. Like when I go to a diner, I get coffee. Yeah. Great. I, I My wife has this kind of fancy coffee machine um, that she likes that we were given as a gift, you know, and it makes frothy milk and, you know, the whole lot of it. And she loves it. Um, I tried it one time and it was just way too fancy and like just too much for me but if we go to like a greasy diner something about a cup of coffee with like creamer just to me like there's there's something good about that so you know i I, i'm i'm celebrating it joe because i'm not the biggest coffee drinker but i do get what you're talking about i i do feel there's a difference for me I, I probably they probably are getting that water from like the bathroom sink. So you know, I, I guess it's all filtered. those years, you know, they they call <laughs> they call Boston, you know, dirty water TV for a reason. So you know, maybe that's just what I'm used to, right? I, I, but I'm I'm celebrating with you, Joe, because we want you to come back. So <laughs> true. I'm gonna celebrate too. Um, I'm I'm also Chris K Slim. We have one. I didn't know it was called a K Slim. Same thing, filtered water is key, and I'm much more about the destination with coffee than I am the journey, so as long as it gets the job done and I go from here to here, very happy with coffee at home. I go to sleep and think about how much coffee I can drink in one sitting when I wake up now at home, just to get me from here to here after breakfast with the kids. Okay. You're amazing, Kayla. You can have as many cups of coffee as you want. Thank you. Working, I try to keep uh, up with you, Chris. No, no, no. Full. I, I need to keep up with you. Full time job, <laughs> mother of two. You, uh, you're, you're amazing. So I, at least you, you have a much better excuse than I do. I just, you know, just enjoy I, I shouldn't have to drink coffee. Well, there are times where I see Chris with his like full, and I'm just like, what? I mean, if I drank that, I would not sleep for three weeks. <laughs> and then there's Kaylee who will come up to me in the office and be like, oh, I'm only on my seventh cup. I'm going to get a bevy and add caffeine to it. And I'm just like, all right, see you in a week. I love it. Recent discovery of caffeine is a game changer. Different strokes for different folks. But uh, good, good topic, Joe. Thank you. We appreciate that. Good stuff. You can come back on Sellies and Chirps anytime. All right. Well, good. I, I, I was a little uh, worried at first. I thought it just turned into a Joe Brand grilling segment, but uh, I, I appreciate <laughs> too. appreciate uh, letting it breathe a little bit and uh, let me Baking in. session, not yeah. grilling. Baking yeah, based fair, on fair enough. the cheese. 
uh, well, you have earned your stripe, my friend, and uh, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast this week, and we'll see you at the rink. Thanks again. Hey, no problem. Thanks, uh, thanks again for having me. And actually, I threw a pizza in right before I started this segment, so it's got another 40 <laughs> minutes, so I, I'm going to have to get to it a little bit anyway. So thank you. Yeah, if the fire alarm <laughs> goes off, yeah, if the fire alarm goes off, Joe gives it another 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you know it's almost <laughs> ready. Yeah, it's a two-minute warning. <laughs> thanks, guys. A lot of fun. Talk to you later. Boy, Kaylee, uh, good to know that for Joe that he's got he's got a friend in you when he needs one with that with that burnt pizza. I can't believe you came to his rescue like that. But hey, that's uh, that's what friends are for. Ride or die. I got you, Joe. <laughs> burnt pizza to the end. <laughs> we'll definitely get Joe on the Blackhawks Insider podcast later this season. Uh, his betting analysis is always really interesting and insightful, and he's a uh, He's a witty guy, too. We all really enjoy him. Our thanks to Joe Brand for coming on and spicing things up, especially with Sellies and Shirts. We'll, we'll definitely get Joe back on later in the season, a friend of all of us, and, and he does a great job on Blackhawks pregame and postgame on AM720 WGN. Thanks once again for listening. Again, more content is always available at Blackhawks.com. Brad Dollar and Southside Jake always do a great job providing the music that you hear on the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. For our producers, Trevor Bray, Jenna Rose, and my co-hosts, Colby and Kaylee, I'm Chris signing off. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week on the Blackhawks Insider Podcast.